of all veg conferences, it's the best veg cast. Yes, we're back with the sounds of Summerfest. Veg cast. A full menu from first to last. Veg cast. Yes, VegCast 110 is another edition of the Sounds of Summerfest. And again, VegCast is sponsored by Tofurky, making delicious, innovative, and affordable meat alternatives from non-GMO soy since 1980. And the Sounds of Summerfest 2012 will feature all kinds of different sounds and all kinds of different interviews. Uh, we're going to especially have a feature interview with the winners of the new inductees, I should say, uh, into the Vegetarian Hall of Fame. That was an exciting event on Saturday night. We'll have music, we'll have sound effects, we'll have animals, we'll have all kinds of that stuff coming for you uh, in this VegCast, and we're also going to have a science fact about some new research into the diets of cavemen that could have some effect on the whole paleo diet craze. We'll see if that pans out or not, but in the meantime, I would invite you to, as always, sit back and relax and pretend that you're there in Johnstown as we deliver to you this 110th edition of I'm here just giving you a little taste of some of the musical selection that we'll have for the Sounds of Summerfest. Uh, I decided to make it excerpts from uh, my actual piano playing of the piano prelude at the beginning of one of the plenaries. Uh, there were plenty of other musical events. I didn't get good audio of all of them and some of them I didn't get any audio of. So to kind of tie it together in a more organic way uh, we will hear a couple of selections from that. But in the meantime, let's move on with our first interview from uh, Summerfest 2012. And this is the, uh, the new inductees into the Vegetarian Hall of Fame, which are James Levesque and Jenny Stein of the uh, Tribe of Heart filmmaking 
uh, crew. You could call them. I'm sure they would want to be called part of the crew as they spent most of the time trying to deflect the attention that they received onto other worthy participants, as we will hear in this interview coming up right now. Okay, we are now here right outside the Living Learning Center speaking with Jenny Stein and James Levesque about their recent award, which shall go unnamed, but which uh, reflects the, uh, the great regard that many people hold you in and uh, certainly, uh, I would hope, reflects many of the, uh, the accomplishments that you have as filmmakers who have changed people's lives. So whatever you want to call it, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are glad tonight that, uh, that you were recognized for doing that. I, can, we, can we agree to that, James and Jay? <laughs> <laughs> Seems like we're having trouble coming to agreement. No, uh, we, we feel very happy to be recognized um, for our work that we have completed with the support and participation of many other people, and we feel like we're receiving it on their behalf. And uh, to receive an award from this community is a true honor, because it's a community that we respect and that represents uh, many values that we would like to see become universal. Okay. And uh, one of those values, obviously, is uh, the right of people to wear these ridiculous-looking afros that was... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just... One of the humorous parts was that you had to see this photo that you didn't expect to see of yourself. There's, that was there, from there, there's, a, there's a rule in journalism, <laughs> and, and that rule is that what happened in the 70s and the early 80s stays in the 70s and early 80s. Okay. You've just broken one of the cardinal rules okay, of journalism. I'm sorry. Well, I'll take that out in the, the post-production. Uh, that, doesn't, uh, that doesn't undo there its are, commission. There are hundreds of witnesses. Though. Right, right, right. All right. Well, we won't talk about uh, the whole... The whole photo segment, but right. it was definitely and, a recognition. Embarrassing photos of an unspecified nature, <laughs> which is which is actually you know it's good. Yeah, it really suits the times we're living in. Well, yeah, I like to think. Okay, sounds like a scandal is brewing. Right, right. There's like an aura of scandal around this award, and it's it's such a beautiful moment. Well, you did you did charge them with conspiracy after all. That is true. <laughs> there was an elaborate conspiracy in concealing the award from us. Okay. And people that we normally consider to be upstanding people of the highest character deceived us okay. very effectively. And affectionately. We, and affectionately, <laughs> to the point we had absolutely no idea that we were going to be recognized in any way. Okay. And the deception went so far as they actually had convinced us that we were going to participate in the recognition of someone else. For some other award, perhaps. For some other some, unnamed, yeah. you know, award. <laughs> right. All right. But in all seriousness, I mean, you, you mentioned before, and the reason we're talking like this is that you're a little ambivalent about, you know, this kind of thing, putting people up on a, a pedestal, and you guys, you're very, uh, you're humble as filmmakers, and you're giving credit to other people, but you've made uh, at least two films, maybe two and a half, we could call it, uh, <laughs> that have, uh, you know, had a lot of uh, impact on people, and you also, you know, you created the Humane Myth website that now I've, I've seen, I've had people send it to me, like, yeah, you should check this out, like that they got it from somebody who got it from somebody that, you know, people that I've never met. So, I, you know, you're having a great impact out there in the culture. And I guess the question that we, we end on is now that 
you guys have won this award, which uh, we won't name. But <laughs> what's what's next for you? Or where do we go? What are you already? What are, were you already about to do that this just interrupted? Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the the I think the the discomfort with awards um, and recognition when doing work on behalf of justice is that you know, the, the work is done because of the necessity of doing it. And it's done collectively. And the, the goal that, I, that we're all aspiring to is a huge, difficult goal that is going to be accomplished. If it is accomplished, it will be by the efforts of a vast number of people. So it's, um, it's a kind of work that, that humbles you. It, you know, you, you fail a lot and you, you face things that are bigger than you. So in a context like that, it's um, you know being recognized for your work is it's, it sometimes can be a little uncomfortable I guess because it feels like there's so much undone and there's so many trying to accomplish it. Um, that being said, to um, to be recognized by people that you love and respect is you know something that is a very special moment in one's life and something we certainly won't forget and that we'll try to live up to. I couldn't have said it better. So okay. So there's uh, there's not an I'm going to Disney World kind of moment or uh, oh, now question. Oh, oh, question. the question of see right. I, I tried to dodge your question, question. Um, you know we're going to take the vast sums of money that we've won with this award <laughs> the, un, the unspecified into, amount of prize we're money gonna, we're going to use that clock that's on the award to actually be more on time right <laughs> because right. Right. we were late for our own right <laughs> right. Um, well, you know, what's next is uh, carry on the mission. The struggle yeah. continues. And, you know, we've just uh, released our new film on DVD, and now we have 7 billion human beings who are potential audience members of that film, and we'll need a lot of help to reach some of them with it. Right, okay, and that, of course, is Peaceable, uh, Peaceable Kingdom, The Journey Home, and uh, we'll have a link, obviously, in our show notes where people can just go right to get that DVD uh, and... They can see, I guess, part of the reason that this conversation happened, but we'll just keep it at that level. Right, because many, uh, other reasons that the conversation happened are confidential and unspecified. In fact, I think we almost violated our code by naming the name of our film. Oh, well, I'm sorry for doing that. We created an unspecified film that has recently been released in a digital media. All right. Well, that's, that's all the time we have for this segment, uh, but I want to say thanks for getting together. I know it's late at night, and uh, I had to be sure that we could get both of you here to appear on VegCast and to have the first podcast interview with such just average people who happen to be doing work for justice, but who at least are singled out in a little bit of a way tonight and uh, in a way that of course is very much deserved. So thanks for, for talking with me. Thank, Thank you. you. That was James Levesque and Jenny Stein on Saturday night. Very soon after being inducted into the Vegetarian Hall of Fame, I have made it a point of pride in recent years to get the first podcast interview uh, with the Hall of Fame winner. This one uh, was a little trickier because it was two people and I had to get them both to be together at the same time while they were 
uh, kind of out celebrating on Saturday night, whooping it up. Uh, and in the meantime, one of the people that I ran across was uh, somebody who played a key role in their first big hit. Uh, this is the witness himself, Eddie Lama, and uh, spoke to him briefly about uh, his reappearance at Summerfest after being uh, gone for a few years. Let's hear that now. Eddie Lama, you're here, back here at Summerfest. Yes, and you, glad did, to be back. Did they like talk you into coming just because no, James and Jenny no. were getting this award, or did not at all. what's I did going not know. on? I, I knew two hours before they got the award. Was... All right, then what's what was actually going on yes, for you? you, did, you well, did you know, I was, I was in New York yes, City. Okay, it was like a ghost town. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I looked at my dog or my son, I should say, my four-legged son, and we looked at each other. What are we gonna do now? And, he, he uh, telepathically communicated that he'd like to come to Summerfest. So he's here now? He's here, yeah. alive and well with me. Jupiter. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we showed up, and, uh, you know, kind of it was nice. Like, coming back home, we connected with uh, like-minded, like-hearted people, and uh, then it was popped on me that uh, the producer, the witness, and my friend Jim and Jenny, my friends, were getting the award, and I was to keep a secret. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm good keeping secrets. I don't... You know, I'm from Brooklyn. I, I don't talk. Right. I did okay. an extra year and a half for not talking, so you could count on me. Right. So okay. I kept it secret, and uh, they uh, they came up and they got the award that I think was very you know deserved, deservedly yeah. so. And uh, you know, I admire them on many levels, at a human level, as friends, as as uh, fellow advocates, and. Uh, their message to the people is uncompromising, undiluted, and uh, truthful. And it just uh, tells us all that the real important thing is the animals themselves. Yeah. That life is what's important, and we shall not negotiate yeah. anything less than that. Well, it's funny. You did get up, and, and you made that point, and that that stance that they took, you know, after the witnesses, they kind of evolved as people um, kind of trying to... Uh, define where we might want to be going or where we might not want to be going in terms of the overall advocacy movement. You can now, when I'm thinking back on the witness, I can see a lot of the roots of that in a lot of the things that you were saying in that film. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if maybe, you know, it wasn't so much uh, their impact on you as your impact on them that really was the... the we uh, formed a, a really profound relationship you know, a deep relationship, and I think we, we, the only way that could happen is if our core values were the same. I think we yeah. both came to the table with the same values, and that's why we connected so deeply. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, there was just a synergistic kind of effect by meeting each other, and we, you know, but basically they, their, their vision of, 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 of animals and the plight of the animals and what needs to be done for them was... Uh, or, you know, pre-existing without my help. Right, okay, well, fair enough. But now, I mean, are you, are you, do you have some new project that we should mention? Do you have some, you're not still out there driving the Faunavision truck around, or what are you doing? You know, no, we're not, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, you know, the Faunavision is still, still around. There's other organizations that are going out and uh, yeah. you know, carrying a message that way, you know, street-level activism. But uh, as far as me, I, I, um, you know, I wound down uh, the Oasis Sanctuary, so, but I'm still left with, with a lot of animals and, uh, you know, my business. So my time is taken up really uh, with with those issues. Right. Know? And, uh, you know, I just feel like like any 
real marathon relay race in the world. You know, you carry the baton so yeah. far and you pass it on. Yeah. You know, and the glory is in the race. The glory is in the finish. You know, the finish uh, being that uh, all animal suffering ends, I guess. Right. You know, but, you know, you, you pass the baton on to another able-bodied, yeah. able-souled, able-hearted individual to continue it and yeah. see it to the end. It may not, you know, could be generations from now, but that's right. how it works. Well, just by doing what you did in that movie, you passed, I think, uh, a baton to a lot of people that are taken out there, and I, I just uh, think it would be a good time to, for on behalf of a lot of people that don't get a chance to talk to you, to say thank you for, for doing that. Thank you. You know, it's... I've, you know, I, 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 I'm a firm believer and I don't do anything alone. It was always the spirit of people that came before me right. and the actions of the brave ones that really faced ridicule and uh, marginalization, you know, in the area of animal activism right. that, uh, you know, helped pave the way for me to do what I did. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time out to talk to me. Thank you. We'll, uh, we'll add this to the whole thing on VegCast. Eddie Lum is one colorful personage that you may see at Summerfest. There are many, many uh, people of different stripes, different abilities, uh, different reasons you want to talk to them. I didn't get to talk to everybody there, obviously, but trying to get some of the key people. We certainly wanted to hear from our favorite desserts diva, and that, of course, is Fran Costigan. Here we are at Summerfest with the inimitable, the one, the only, Fran Costigan. Fran, thanks for taking time out from the party to be here just for a moment. Well, thanks, Vance. Anytime you ask me to be here for a moment, I want to be here for more. Okay. And you're, uh, you're kind of a, a Twitter, Facebook, social media maven in addition to being a vegan dessert maven. And I just want to mention that because, you know, last night we had the tweet up here and it looked like nobody was going to show up. So I had to like almost drag you down there to, to be there as, as a seed to kind of draw other people in. Then you like once you and Jill were there, everybody started finally coming in. And then the whole thing just went on and on and on all night long, which I attribute to the charisma of Fran Costigan. What do you think? Uh, well, I think at Good Cakes, Fran does bring something to the Twitter table and yeah. at the Veggie Queen, Jill Nessanow as well. I find Twitter a great tool, and thank you for that tweet up. Seriously, it was, it's great to meet people behind the ads. Yeah. And I'm noticing at events, I go to a number of events, we go, oh, you're at before veg. Right. And it's such a great tool to be able to keep up with what's going on. I like that you can just get in and out in a couple words. Yeah. I, that 120 thing is hard for someone as wordy as me, but there's a lot of information, and I use Twitter in my downtimes. I'll go through and see what's going on in the vegan community yeah. and politics, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you, we should mention, I mean, when you're here now, you're talking a, a lot about letting people know about how to start their own, do the, their own, uh, like, food demo routine, their own, uh, you, you run the boot camp. You, can you just let people, I mean, I know there may be some out there who are, there's Fran Costigan, who's that? So be sure that we let them know who we're talking to. Thank you, Vance. I imagine there are one or two or a hundred people who don't know 
Broadcasting in from New they, York City. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Can you imagine? This was a really interesting conference for me because normally I do a cooking demo and then talk about something else. Yeah. Um, how to stock your eco pantry or whatever they would like. The, I mean, the possibilities are endless. But I decided this time, I've been teaching for over 20 years, probably closer to 25, and I want more people out there teaching. Food is a way to bring people to our vegan table, and it takes a lot of thinking to actually do a demo, the before, yeah. or a, a, a successful cooking demonstration. So I was really eager to do that class. I did a version of it at Victoria Moran's Vegan Mainstream Academy, Mainstream Vegan Academy, right. recently that was great. And then the class I did before that was how to write a blurb or a class description that will be appealing to everyone. Right. Omnivores and so on, we need those words it's food you know come yeah. and know you will learn you will eat you will taste you'll so on and they were really fun people brought great questions they were eager for more the first class I taught I always wonder if I'm gonna need a baseball mask and like don't shoot the messenger but it was called the sweets dilemma can sweets treats have a role in a healthy plant whole foods plant-based vegan diet and right. I say yeah there's no holy grail a sweetener sweets right. are treats actually yeah desserts are my thing I mean that's what I teach but they're not one of the four food groups well and there's a lot to you know there's a lot to talk about treats with respect that are delicious I'm gonna satisfy you Right. We're not putting candles in sweet potatoes. That's what got me going. <laughs> My son said that when he was putting 12 years old. Mom, I'm not having a candle in a baked sweet potato for my birthday. <laughs> so figure, you know, I yeah. was, after I changed my diet a long time ago, I got a little food policey for a little while. Yeah. Now I tell my students, leave your badge outside the door. Yeah. But it was, Michael got me thinking about that. That's great. I never had heard that anecdote. It's so that's true. great that we have it on this Sounds of Summerfest edition. Mm -hmm. And we're out of time for this segment, but thanks for joining me Thank once you. again on VegCast. Thanks, Dan. All right. Okay, now my draw along, which of course haven't been able to feature much on the podcast since it's a mainly visual type of show. And I'm sorry if you have not gotten a chance to see this yet. Hundreds, why nay, even thousands perhaps of people have seen this and delighted in the uh, the experience where people from the audience come up and put their initials or some other random kind of scribble onto a large piece of paper and then I, I generate a cartoon out of that. And the process has a, obviously an amount of improv built into it in that I, I never know what exactly people are going to put up there, or where they're going to put it, or how I'm going to be asked to uh, tie the elements together. But this year there was even more improv than usual, as one of the contestants, Chef AJ, uh, practically commandeered the entire act and started uh, doing uh, additional drawings on top of the drawing that I was doing, uh, which led to uh, some entertainment uh, and a degree of improv that I was not used to. However, uh, many people said that they, they thought it was even funnier than usual. So here, Chef AJ and I uh, kind of talk about the uh, the upshot of that and maybe taking that act on the road. And after that, we're going to have a little more soothing piano music. Right now, we are speaking right outside the Living Learning Center 
with Chef AJ. Thank you for taking time out from the partying to join us on VegCast. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And you, uh, uh, you came to my attention, let's say, on Thursday night when I was doing the draw-along. Uh, we went back and forth. I'll explain all this in the preamble to this. But uh, basically... 35! Yeah. Mary Beth! Right. Okay, so <laughs> you got up on stage. You kind of took over the draw-along. Uh, and you were explaining how you needed to have, uh, you know, a chance to get up and entertain people. So I got to ask you, are you going to be doing the draw along yourself next year? No, I want to do it with you. I oh. think we make a great team. I'm not trying to kick you out. Trying no, to be like, no, that would be comedy fun. Team, you comedy can, you team. Can, you can do that. I can, I'll go do we something well, else. No, we work well off each other. That's I think. true. Yeah. Let's do, we could do the who's on first routine or we... We come up with something uh, like that that I has to do with vegetables. I thought we were going to play Pictionary. That's why I thought we were up there. Uh, well, it, I guess it has a certain some elements in common with that. But uh, but you were also mentioning uh, this thing that uh, about there was a column that I wrote for the Daily News about right. kale chips, and then and I yeah, happened to mention how, Michael honestly, Greger. That's how it. I first heard of you. And in the column, you mentioned something that Michael Greger really loves kale chips, or something to that effect. And I found his email address, and I said, I read about you in this in this article that you love kale chips, and I make the best kale chips in the world. And he writes me, and he goes, well, them's fighting words. And he yeah. gave me his address, and I sent him some kale chips, and he said, well, I guess you're right, and he sent me a free DVD. Yeah, Thanks well, see, to you. That's a great story. And now kale chips, everybody's all about kale chips. They're but, awesome. But you still are, you like have now the Gregor appointed title of kale chip champion of the world. I, I think so. And that means a lot coming from Dr. Gregor. Okay. I and know it does. And you know what does. he said today in his keynote? He said that there is nothing that kale can't do. That's true. That's, and he's right about that. And uh, we don't have to make this all about Dr. Gregor because he can get his own segment for Christ's <laughs> sake. Let him get his own show. So, that's right. <laughs> that's but right. so just tell our VegCast listeners uh, just a little very brief like what Chef AJ is all about, what you do. I've been vegan for 35 years. My IQ is higher than my cholesterol. I wrote a wonderful book called Unprocessed, and I love people and animals. Wow. that's You see, you've got your whole th thing down right there. You <laughs> deliver it in less time than it takes me to come up with another question, which is fine because we're pretty much out of time for this segment. But thanks for showing up, and we'll definitely uh, talk about getting together some kind of uh, something, act, something that we routine, can do, yeah. and we'll wow everybody. Next year. The, yeah, next year. 2013, right. the year to see us as a duo. That's right. So mark your calendars now, VegCast listeners, and thank you, Chef AJ, for thank talking you. with us.
appreciate that was a little bit more of yours truly uh, tickling the ivories for uh, as people gathered for the plenary uh, now we're going to turn from that however into something much more straightforward and serious and that of course is the science our science fact for VegCast 110 is Neanderthals may have had vegetable heavy diet study suggests and this is tied into the Sounds of Summerfest by a talk that Ray Sikora gave. Now you may remember Ray and JC showing up on VegCast 106. If you don't remember that you can go back and listen to that podcast but at Summerfest she talked about having a visitor who uh, lived with them who was very much into the paleo diet and was hoping to convert them to the paleo diet but uh, wound up learning that uh, the vegan diet is essentially superior for modern day homo sapiens but this has to do with Neanderthals uh, which some people who like to eat meat have like to point back to uh, as well look at how much meat these uh, cavemen ate and maybe we should be trying to eat more like them uh, and so this write-up is from the Huffington Post I'm going to read the whole thing because it's pretty short it goes as follows new research into the diet of Neanderthals is changing the long-held conception that the European hominids were strictly meat eaters a study published in the scientific journal Naturwissenschaften suggests that roasted plants may have played a larger role in Neanderthal diets than previously thought and may have been used medicinally. The assertion is drawn from 50,000-year-old skeletal remains found in El Cidron Cave in northern Spain. The teeth of 13 individuals showed layers of calcified plaque which contained a range of carbohydrates and starch granules. Some revealed alkyl phenols, aromatic hydrocarbons, and roasted starch granules, which suggests the beings spent time in smoky areas and ate cooked vegetables. Few lipids or proteins from meat were found. Nature magazine provides more insight from prominent members of the anthropology field. The idea that Neanderthals were largely meat eaters has been hard for me to accept given their membership in a mainly vegetarian clade. It is exciting to see this new set of techniques applied to understanding their paleo diet, says Richard Wrangham, an anthropologist at Harvard University in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Karen Hardy, the study's lead author and an anthropologist at the Autonomous University of Barcelona in Spain, adds, quote, The idea of Neanderthals sitting down for a bowl of salad stretches my imagination, and there is no evidence of them having cooking pots, so soups seem unlikely, she says. Hardy theorizes that the Neanderthals may have used the bitter plants as medicines. Modern herbalists use them as anti-inflammatories and antiseptics. All modern higher primates, she says, make use of medicinal plants. So perhaps Neanderthals did too. Hardy also told Science Daily that on another level, the findings suggest that these individuals, quote, had a sophisticated knowledge of their natural surroundings, which included the ability to select and use certain plants for their nutritional value and for self-medication. This isn't the first time research has suggested vegetables played a larger role in Neanderthal diets than previously thought. In 2010, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences published a study related to fossilized grains of vegetable material found in Neanderthal teeth. Some of it was cooked. 
And this speaks to two things here. One is that I want to be sure, for those of you who are not aware of this, uh, this note that the larger uh, primates or primate cousins all tend to make use of medicinal plants. That is that they have a body of cultural knowledge, it seems, of how to use plants uh, to cure themselves of various ailments uh, that indicates uh, a certain intellect and a certain uh, kind of learning, a certain kind of intelligence that maybe we should be paying more attention to and more respect toward, but also this uh, ongoing notion that uh, you know, the modern world is, with its processed food is so crazy, we should just get back to the way that Homo sapiens used to eat, or go even further back to, uh, you know, our wild ancestors, uh, and that is the foundation of the whole paleo diet concept. And not even just that particular diet, but a lot of uh, the stuff that I hear. I have a friend here in Philadelphia who is very much very close to being a vegan or vegetarian, but will not make the ethical leap, but still, you know, very much against modern processed food and tries to eat locally, but says, you know, obviously we're meant to eat this stuff, so we should eat meat and dairy. And I guess what this speaks to is the folly of trying to base our modern behavior on what we think are the patterns from antiquity when our ability to investigate those patterns is fraught with our modern day bias. And I'm not even saying that this is going to be the final word on what Neanderthals, cavemen, early Homo sapiens, Homo erectus, or any other of our ancestors might have eaten but that we happen to be living in 2012 at this point and in the 21st century. And there are certain things available to those people who can hear this podcast uh, that make the whole concept of what the most natural kind of human, the most basic primitive kind of human might have eaten had they had those resources available, uh, just a complete academic uh, kind of joke, whereas at the same time, animals are dying to feed what is a, essentially a, an enculturated tradition that we have built up over the past few centuries uh, to make animal products uh, cheap and widely available, and uh, we're, we have people who are making vast amounts of money off of that, trying to spread it across the globe, and maybe that's what we should be looking at. So when we hear people saying, well, here's how uh, humans really are meant to eat, this particular study is a corrective uh, to that, but we should probably just reject that whole question. I mean, it's, it's an academic curiosity. Uh, but again, I wouldn't be surprised to see yet another study finding some evidence of some other Neanderthals in some other area that may have eaten more meat. And, you know, that's a whole fun game that we can explore, but it should not inform the behavior that we in the Western world take on a daily basis and every time we sit down to a meal. And at that point, uh, if we do, I hope that we will at least keep in mind the lessons learned from the... Science Fact. Oh, that's enough. Oh. <laughs>
sorry. You're right. Sorry about that. <laughs> Couldn't resist the comment, really. That's enough. <laughs> that last sound is the smack of a bat's stomach responding to the ping pong ball. I'm hanging some lines up. Yes, that was the inimitable sound of ping pong being played. Had to get a clip of that uh, for the sounds of Summerfest, as you heard me explaining to Jonathan Balcom, who responded by, after a brief volley, knocking the ping pong ball directly into my stomach. But we are going to now turn from the ping pong table to the lunch table, as this is one of those sounds of Summerfest that uh, people remember and fondly and makes you think of the good kind of festive atmosphere at lunch. John Bolas uh, giving us some uh, electronic uh, piano musings there in the background. And at lunch, I should say, I was approached uh, by Spencer Ball, Lee Ball's son, who uh, gave me some original cartoons as a memento. And uh, I looked through those, and I have to just share one of those with you. Again, this is a visual element that's hard to share on an audio podcast, but I'm just going to describe it for you, if you will please bear with me. Uh, it's one of the funniest vegan-oriented cartoons that I have ever seen, and I've seen quite a few having generated <laughs> a lot of them. Uh, this one has a fellow sitting at a table talking to Dracula, and he says to Dracula, so Dracula, I heard that you uh, recently went vegan. Was giving up blood uh, much of a problem? And Dracula responds, nah, cheese was the hard part. So I literally laughed out loud at this cartoon, and I think uh, we should find somewhere to to get that published. I'm putting out the call now, Vegetarian Voice, Vegetarian Journal, Veg News, Somebody uh, should put that in print, but in the meantime, the sounds of Summerfest edition VegCast 110 is about done. Just want to let you know about two vegan-oriented events coming up. One is uh, this very weekend that VegCast is coming out, the Vegan Option podcast, you may recall. They did a whole thing on Al Mari, the blind Arab poet from the 11th century. They're uh, right uh, there at the Olympics in London, going to be uh, covering such items as a vegan registered dietitian who carried the torch there, a veggie mince vendor, uh, the Williams sisters. They'll have an update on the use of animals in the opening ceremony, and much, much more. Uh, so we'll have a link to that as soon as it is out, which will probably be by the time this podcast comes out. But check the veganoption.org for that podcast and also uh, the vegan spirituality retreat here closer to home this is in Gladwin PA it'll be Saturday August 11th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. and uh, the star attraction here is quite a star it's Ray Sakura who we talked about earlier on this podcast if you have not met Ray or had a chance to see her in person uh, you should probably come to this there are plenty of other things going on at the Vegan Spirituality Retreat, and you can find out what's going on with that at veganspirituality.com or by calling 215-620-2130. And now we are out of here.
that is indeed it for VegCast 110, the Sounds of Summerfest 2012 edition. And we're wrapping that up now. I'd just like to thank our sponsor, Tofurky, who has been making delicious, innovative, and affordable meat alternatives from non-GMO soy since 1980. would also like to thank James Levesque and Jenny Stein, uh, new Vegetarian Hall of Fame inductees. I would like to thank Eddie Lama, Fran Costigan, and Chef AJ for speaking with me. Uh, also, Jonathan Balcom and Spencer Ball for their respective contributions. Be back with another VegCast in August. Until that point, I beseech you to get out there and live like you mean it. Veg.